Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us this week again on The Talking Dead. This is episode number 22 for September 13th, 2010. Um, joining us this week is a very special guest. He is a podcasting pioneer, for lack of a better term. He runs the Frog Pants Studios. His name is Scott Johnson. Thanks for coming on, Scott. I'm thrilled to be on. Thanks, you guys. I've uh, been really excited about this since I'm extremely excited about this series so um thanks for the opportunity to talk more about it yeah no problem um i'm i contacted you because i heard you doing one of your shows a couple of months ago now um i think it was current geek where you're talking about how much of a fan of the walking dead you were and i thought well no better guy to have on then <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a diehard i've been reading that comic since day one and just eating it up and i think it's one of the most uh daring things that ever hit comics and i hope it's one of the most daring things to hit cable tv um you know we'll see how they do with story and stuff i'm sure we can talk some about that today but i'm i'm just super excited to see how it translates and see if kirk you know kirkman's vision is is properly portrayed yeah well we're we've been talking about that kind of thing for for weeks now as we've been doing this but uh i was going to ask you how and when you got into the comic you said you were on board from from day one eh reading reading well, single issues I should uh, I should clarify I've I should have said issue one because I came a little bit late to it um, early last year I, I I knew of its existence but I was kind of of this opinion that it seemed like the wrong format like I couldn't uh, being kind of a zombie freak and enjoying that stuff I just couldn't see it working well in comic book form for some reason the narrative just didn't seem right to me I didn't like what Marvel did with Marvel zombies stuff. Um, I don't like any of the mainstream comic book companies and their their stuff, although I think the 28 Days Later uh, series from, and I forget who does it, I think Boom Studios does it? I can't remember. Anyway, I really like that. It's not bad. But I was dead wrong. When I finally picked it up, I got completely hooked and started reading single issues and then realized, well, wait a minute, two of these or three of these are already in collection, you know, trade paperbacks. So I quickly bought those up and devoured those. And... Uh, got caught up and then basically have just been eating it every month as soon as I can get my hands on it. It's funny how you mentioned Marvel Zombies because isn't that a Kirkman it book is. too? <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And that's what's funny about it is I, I kind of took that so I took that Marvel Zombies thing so far to think that, you know, this is, this is terrible and this yeah. affects how I think about other stuff. And when I found out it was also Kirkman, I thought, well, that's even more reason not to read this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but more and more people said, dude, you got to check it out. You got to check it out. And I kind of just pushed it off and eventually... You know, all it took was one read, and I was done. I mean, I was just in like crazy. I feel like it's a really seminal moment in comics and a very, very hard thing to duplicate. Um, and I think what it comes down to is they understand, uh, and you guys have probably covered this on the show, but they understand more than anybody that I've read the nature of what a zombie is and what it means to real people. And what I mean by that is the characters in the stories in The Walking Dead are never... Uh, what's the word? They're not stereotyped. They make decisions you don't expect. The story's about them dealing with this world more than it ever is about the zombies or the cause or why they're there 
or any of that. It's all about what, what people do in extreme situations and the way they explore that issue to issue is what makes that thing special. Yeah, we, and most of the time in comics, they focus too much on, ah, they're attacking and there's blood and there's horrible. And there's plenty of that in Walking Dead, but it's, it's padded by this, I don't know, this humanity that is, that is constantly being challenged and questioned. Yeah, Chris and I have talked about that in the past, that uh, you know, if it was constantly about you know, man versus zombie, it would get old really fast. I mean, there's so many different types of zombies and so many different situations that you can get in, but it's the, the interpersonal uh, conflict that goes on between you know, just the, uh, the social strife of being in a complete apocalypse that, yeah, uh, that makes so, the storytelling so compelling. Some people talk about how one of the weaknesses of the book is that there's a lot of back and forth with people going. I mean, you can picture a scene in your head. It's like, hey, Bill, sorry about last night. I don't know what came over me. Oh, don't worry about it. I understand. I mean, uh, given the circumstances, I'm surprised you didn't do worse. I mean, that kind of conversation happens all the time in The Walking Dead. It does. Every time a new character comes in, too, you always get a bit of backstory about how how the horrible things they had to do, you know, before they got to this point or whatever. Yeah, and the, and you and you know that it's you know that it's coming, you sense it, you almost can read the dialogue without reading it. And some people see that as a, as a huge negative and I see it as just the way people are. This is how this is how people react and when they, you know, when they're doing the niceties and trying to sort of cover the social you know, dirt over the social potholes of life and they're doing it in the midst of a zombie uprising and a herd is just outside the gate. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of stuff is, I don't know. I just find it incredibly compelling. And, um, and, and that's where the other zombie books sort of fail for me. Um, I thought 30 days of nights, a pretty good book and it's not really zombies, but it's, you know, the, the tone they're going for is obviously a little more than your average, you know, cute vampire. That's, just looking for chicks to sink pizza into. <laughs> I picked up it's, a copy uh, of uh, Marvel Zombies, the uh, issue number one, about a year ago, and I couldn't get through it. I, I, yeah, I, I never finished it; it's still sitting on my shelf. Yeah, in a way, in a way, I felt like Kirkman. His time at Marvel, you know, I, I mean, you can't knock it. He did well; it sold well. Uh, but I just feel like it, he maybe had bigger things to do, and this was his chance. And and I'm really glad, you know. Uh, uh, you know, independent publishers can give guys a chance to do stuff like this because I don't think this thing looks good on any executive's table when they first pitch it. I think they take it in there and say, well, what is it? Well, it's about zombies, but it's mostly about the people dealing with it. And there's going to be some really rough stuff happen that really make you question, you know, who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. And, oh, also it's all black and white. We should mention that. <laughs> yeah. No color. Forget color. <laughs> yeah. No color. We're going to put it out monthly. It's going to be really expensive to produce, but I swear it's going to be awesome. And you may not even, you know, have any idea about how big until maybe five years down the road. But trust us, it's going to be great. Yeah. That seems like a rough <laughs> sell to me, and I'm really glad they wh – whoever listened – I'm glad they listened. Oh, totally. One of the things that struck me the more I, I read it, too, was that, you know, a good portion of the violence is not human against zombie, but human against human. You know, they're yeah. they're killing each other and they're trying to survive each other, not just not just the zombies, you know. Oh, yeah. The stuff that happens in that prison. I mean, no spoiler alert. There's a prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't worry <laughs> about spoilers of the book too much. Uh, yeah. We assume everyone's read it. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're really into this, you're probably this far further than than we are in the books. But. Um, yeah, that, that alone is a great set piece for all sorts of zombie mayhem, 
But we all got real lucky with them being very complex in the storytelling and giving us stories and, and characters that were far more dangerous than the zombies they were all trying to avoid. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, with the uh, with being in, the, in that prison, they kind of pushed all the, like from the storytelling perspective, they pushed all the zombies to the, uh, the peripheral because yep. they, they were safe. They were within this uh, confine and it just uh it kept all the zombies at bay but still the uh the amount of strife did not stop <laughs> no yeah, in it, that prison that that was an amazing thing and how it all ended i still haven't quite gotten over and well the way the prison basically ends and the sort of the last thing that happens as as they're fleeing was probably the most emotional scene for me reading the book at all uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll argue that it's one of the most emotional moments in any medium I've seen in a very long time. And I mean movies or TV or anything. It just really got me. And I don't know if it's the, you know, the, the husband or the, the father in me or something just snapped. But what it was, I, I wasn't horrified by it to the point or disgusted by it or anything where I was like, I can't read this book anymore. I cannot believe what they did here. I just thought, man, these guys are daring visionaries like they are not afraid to say what they need to say where the story has taken them and i was just i was completely blown away by that i didn't see it coming at all and and like you said it was just it was the husband and the father in me that that just it totally got to me totally got to me and i i put the book down was like man oh man i can't believe they did that and I can't wait to see what happens next. You know? I, I know. I mean, it was it was from that point on that I knew I was going to. It turned into a very different book after that. Yeah. Um, and again, I think to its credit, I don't I don't see that as a negative thing. But but boy, when it t- when it took that turn, you just knew you know we are going down some uh, a road here that we have not been down yet. And I cannot wait to see how they deal with it because in, in lesser hands, this would suck. Yeah. Well, let's on that note, let's talk a little bit more about maybe the TV. Uh, adaptation. Obviously, we haven't seen it yet, but one of the things we've discussed on past shows here is that it's premiering on Halloween, which is, uh, you know, you could argue either way that it's a good or a bad night to premiere a brand new show. Scott, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, I mean, to me, it's it's max of, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to do the, the smart thing, which is maximize on the fact that it's about zombies and it's around Halloween and get people excited and they're probably right. I mean, I think they're probably, uh, you know, well, it's, I mean, it's working for me. I, I hear that and go, oh, dude, sweet, Halloween, awesome. That's when I'll watch it. I'm so excited. And now I have this landmark of time that I don't have to remember by date. I only have to remember by, you know, my favorite ha- you know, holiday of the year. That's a good point, actually. It's you don't have to remember point. the date. Now it's suddenly it's just Halloween. Yeah, it is now part of my Halloween. Yeah. So. What I normally do on Halloween is there's always some movies or whatever, and there may be some of that again this year. But you know, this is now my new uh, my new tradition I haven't had yet, and I'm I think it's I think it works on that level for a lot of people, and for everyone else. I mean, the only downside to me is that it isn't happening sooner. Like if there was a way to make them go, well, okay, we'll do September because <laughs> we want to get it out. I'd, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't complain, but I but I I can see what they're doing and why they do it. Um, whether or not it'll be successful is is something that will drive a lot of people to see it. I don't know. I mean, this is this is the other thing is we live in a very cynical nerd world where, you know, we all get super excited about things like um, uh, Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. and we get excited about it for two reasons. One, we've all read the comics and we think it was great, and it was this very interesting graphic novel and again a very independent book that succeeded wildly so we think ah and then we find out this director's really into it and he's got a track record and everyone's excited and the movie comes out and the critics love it and the nerds love it and it 
tanks at the box office. <laughs> totally tanked. Nobody saw it but us. Yeah, right. bad. Like the worst, one of the worst openings in years, despite all that hype and all that hubbub. That, and I couldn't walk three feet without hearing my crowd of people talking about this movie. Yeah. And Twitter was full of it. I mean, it was just like this nonstop barrage of information. But nobody in the mainstream cared because that thing looked goofy to them when they saw it. Well, that's a when good I'm question. Re- uh, it's, yeah. uh, you know, will uh, The Walking Dead appeal to a wide enough audience? Well, yeah, that is the niche? question. Yeah. And I, well, A, I really hope so. But B, what I'm counting on is a little weird how I can, I mean, maybe it's not weird, but I'm counting on cable's recent ability to make incredible programming and run for multiple seasons with tiny audiences and not care. And, I, and the ones I'm thinking of are like, Mad Men's audience sucks. They have, they have nobody. I mean, in the larger scale of things, more people are watching, you know, freaking CSI Miami on a Friday night rerun than watch a new episode of Mad Men. Yet Mad Men takes all the awards. Mad Men has all the praise. Mad Men continues on, has more seasons, has no problem. Nobody's threatening to cancel it. It's like this weird thing in cable that isn't happening in mainstream networks. Yeah, I can't I mean, quite put my finger on it, but I really hope that's what happens here. If things, I mean, if it doesn't just make this huge, enormous splash, then it might still be okay because those guys are willing to back their projects. Well, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, Mad Men and the other uh, AMC shows like Breaking Bad, they, they have, I guess, smaller audience, but really dedicated, you know? Yeah, very, com- very captive audience, that's for sure. Totally captive. And people that like to talk about it and like to tell their friends how, how amazing they think it is. I mean, I'm telling people how much I love Breaking Bad all the time. And, yeah. you know, AMC, I think The Walking Dead will benefit a lot from being on AMC. I, originally, it was pitched to CBS, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it would have worked there. I mean, CBS wouldn't have handled it right, and it wouldn't have had the right people, and the people that were watching you know, might have been more casual. But AMC has – they have – I think there are fans of AMC, and they'll watch anything that oh, they there, put on. There's a lot of trust in AMC right now with Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Yeah. A lot of people trust AMC to make good shows. Well, they've shown that they are not afraid to do hard stuff. Like Breaking Bad, another show I love, oh, yeah. um, is another reason I have a lot of hope because – Breaking Bad is, is, is an unflinching look at that crazy story, and you can tell that they're being careful with it in that the writers are getting their vision across, they're, they're telling the story they want to tell, and I don't feel like the network is interfering too much, and, and we need that with Walking Dead. CBS would have been a mistake. Huge. Yeah, because what's CBS going to do? They're going to censor everything, yeah. and I don't, I'm not pro just exploitative violence or sex or any of that. I'm pro... Tell the story you have to tell and be true to the vision of its creators. And that may involve some shocking stuff that the narrative needs. And it's why I'm worried about the Dark Tower series coming and the movies they're based on. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I have the same fears for those things because those are, are very much based on being able to, to be true to either Stephen King's story or not. And if you're not going it, to, it'll be watered down. And they really can't water Walking Dead down or we're all screwed. Yeah, I mean, they've talked about, uh, you know, as they've been making it, Kirkman has has been out there, he's been online, he's been saying how it's going to be, you're going to get everything I've done in the book, minus some of the language, of course, but language isn't isn't all that important, I don't think. Um, You're going to get the same sort of language you can have on on Mad Men, I guess. 
Um, yes. But the gore and and sort of the shocking elements are still going to be there, which yeah makes me super excited. I got to which say. I'm excited about. And it's funny to say that because you know I'm like I say I'm not pro like you know my there's no way my ten year old is going to watch The Walking Dead with me. There's well, no, it's no. <laughs> not a chance. And the, and but that's the point. It's like this is not a story for him, not yet, and it's definitely a story for me. And when I want when I want something a story told for me, I want it told the way it's supposed to be told. So yeah, I have no problem with him cutting out language. If anything, the books are gratuitous to the point that if that some of that stuff feels out of context and a little forced. Yeah. Um, where you know you hear certain people dropping f bombs, you're like, well, that old guy wouldn't say that, but whatever, and you sort of just live with it. But <laughs> but you know, if I need to see if zombies are going to attack the prison, they need to freaking do it. Oh, they're going to do it, I think. I mean, we're not getting that far in the first season, which is only six episodes as far as we know. Yeah. Uh, but we're getting into Atlanta. We're going to see a horse torn apart. We're going to see, you know, all kinds of carnage. So I'm expecting yeah. good things. Excited. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> My um, wife won't even watch it with me. She's already oh, said yeah? that she's out. Like, oh, man. No yeah, you got to, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Got to be a, a certain kind of mood or the certain kind of whatever, but. I got my wife hooked on zombie movies a while ago, and she is super stoked for this. So, oh, that's I'm good. Take advantage of it. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta see if I can get mine to read the book. If I can get her to get into the, the characters a little bit, she'll be on board. <laughs> yeah, if, if, I've actually maintained that to people who are afraid of the, the the content of it or the zombie part of it, and I explained to them if you like story, then this is a great book for you. This isn't, you know, this isn't what you think it is. This is really character driven and very sort of you really get invested in these characters. If you're going to sit around reading Twilight, you can read this. Oh, and hopefully enjoy it a lot more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so listen, one of, the other, uh, one of the other issues we've gone over is how they're going to be making changes to the story and the characters for the TV show. And, you know, I, I don't see that as a big problem. They're adding new characters. They're adjusting story elements. And Kirkman himself has said things like, you know, the, the TV producers have the benefit of hindsight. They can sort of see what the comic has done and where it's gone, and they can think about it a little bit and make writing changes and stuff like that. So it's going to be nice that it doesn't follow too closely the comic book. We have the major plot points, but it might veer off in different directions for a while. So you can't sit there watching it and go, okay, well, I know exactly what's coming next. Yeah, there's um, the only... I mean, the only concern I would normally have about something like that would be, you know, what are they changing it for? Do they not trust the narrative of the original work? And that's usually where people run into trouble. But if it's because, I mean, we just have to admit it, and it's true of books and movies and anything else, but TV is not the same as a comic book. No way. And while comic books are naturally episodic in nature, and that's great, um, so that lends itself to TV in, in that way, but... You know the way things are framed, the way they're paced. That all that all changes. And anyone who's ever tried to you know adapt a Harry Potter book to a film could tell you, you know, what a wrenching experience it is to figure out who what to take out and what to shift around and how to make it still cohesive. And you know, it's hard. It's hard freaking work. So, you know, the fact that they're going to remove characters that don't have the lasting impact that matters, or they may introduce a few to help accentuate what's already there. I I guess I'm. I guess I'm just feeling a lot of trust for these producers and for Kirkman and Frank Darabont, of course, because yeah, and, and he's, he's huge. awesome. He's yeah, huge, he's yeah. huge. Speaking of speaking of you know Stephen King and ties to that guy, that guy's amazing, and he knows this kind of stuff. And if I had to, if I had to compare this comic book to any other work, I would say this stuff feels like you know Stephen King may have written it. Um, and I don't mean that in the, his you know 
his horror, his most well-known pulpy horror days. I mean, like his, you know, um, like Insomnia or better yet, the Dark Tower series feels feels very Walking Dead-ish. And it has that side of King that I really, really like. And so Darabont's a freak about Stephen King and arguably his two best, best movies he ever made are based on Stephen King short stories. I would agree with that. And so uh, he has an eye for this stuff. So, you know, the fact that he's involved is huge for me. Have you seen the trailer, the Comic-Con trailer, Scott? I, ha- I have. It's long. It's long. Um, it's four and a half minutes. Um, but that's, I mean, that's got me, I mean, I've always sort of been on board because I have a feeling this is going to be awesome. It feels like the right time. Right. Just everything, it feels like everything's coming together. But when I watched that trailer, um, it just... I don't know. It just really, really worked for me. And everything in there seemed like it was just perfect. So uh, I think we're going to be in for something special, especially based on that. That longer trailer um, did a few things that that made me happy, which was uh, I'm seeing stuff, scenes and things that are right out of the book. Yep. And not not stuff. In fact, I'm trying to think if there's anything about those that I didn't recognize. People who I thought had curly hair in the books had curly hair in the trailer, and even little details about how he looks on his horse, you know, him in his sheriff's uniform, that kind of stuff carried over really well, um, and that was that was huge for me because that just says again, it just says you know what this is we're going to be true to the source material. We got we're not just going to pull some inspiration and you know kind of half a this thing. We're going to actually go all the way. Yeah, and and it's it is little little things. I mean that that zombie that's super decomposing on the side of the road that you've seen on all the posters and stuff. You know, yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a big. Well, I mean, it's a small scene in the comic, but it's sort of an important one. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's the kind of thing I could see them sort of just skipping over and moving on with the story. You know, but that's in there, and it it plays an important role as far as I can tell in the in the show, just like it did in the in the book. All those little how, things, you know. How how far do you guys think they'll go in these six episodes? Do we know that? Have they said anything? No, we don't. We don't really know. We we know that they're going to get to that. Rick is going to get to the camp outside Atlanta. He's going to be reunited with his wife and son. Hmm. Um, and but from there, we don't really have a good idea of of what's going to happen. We don't know if the confrontation with Shane is going to take place. Although we've they said at Comic-Con, I think, that they're going to try and extend that a little bit. So we expect Shane to stick around a little bit longer than he did in the book. And, you know, who knows? They may leave the camp or they, they may not. They hinted at uh, that they might go in a different direction. Like they might not make it to uh, Herschel's farm. They may go someplace else. That's true, oh, too. Interesting. Uh, you know, uh, Gail Ann Hurd, who's one of the producers, she did uh, the Terminator show. What was that called? Yeah. Uh, Terminator, uh, uh, Sarah Connor, Chronicles. Uh, Sarah Con- Connor, uh, Connor my Chronicles. Show. My problem, my problem was is with that show wasn't that it ended early or that it wasn't any good because I actually thought it was all right. My problem with it was the name of it. It's hard to freaking say. <laughs> yeah, you can't pron- if you can't pronounce the name, it's not. <laughs> it's too uh, difficult. So obnoxious. But anyway, yes, she was on there. She's. I think it was her that said that uh, we're ending. We're ending the six episodes with something that kind of doesn't really happen in the comic anyways so really have no idea really have no idea all we know is that we're going to get to that camp where Lori and carl and shane and everybody are well see in a way in a way i'm excited about that i know some people probably feel you know i don't want this thing to end in a place we never saw but i you know what i've seen that so 
show me something else. That's okay. Once in a while. I mean, these are still characters I'm going to, I'm going to care about and, and worry about and everything else, you know, as long as they don't get crazy. And you know, that scene we talked about at the end of the, the prison, right. You know, that stuff is seminal and has to stay. Oh, I think it does. so. And even the, the, the scene with Shane, uh, I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to Shane sticking around a little bit longer. I think that that the dynamic between Laurie, uh, Shane, and Rick I think could play out for quite a long time. It didn't play out that long in the uh, in the graphic novel, but it can play out longer on TV. Yeah, it was short, and they uh, he was a character I was kind of I wanted I, I sensed I, there was more to be told there, yeah. and it never got told. So there's you know like I said, the comic book's not perfect either. So if there's cases where they can extend story that maybe was cut a little short. I'm, I'm all for that. Totally. What about the cast? I mean, we've got a bunch of people that are semi-unknown. I mean, they've all been in other things for the most part. But a guy like Andrew Lincoln, who's playing uh, Rick Grimes, the only thing I've seen him in, as far as I can tell, is that British movie... Um, Love Actually. Love Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'd never seen him in anything else, and I hear he's... Um, shaping up to be awesome in this that's what all the word is yeah um, that's the that's, word that's what i've heard but he uh, uh the one thing we noticed is that his accent in the trailer a yeah. little bit shaky but yeah they will work that. into it <laughs> what's, what's funny is there's a lot of british actors who can totally pull that off um and do really great you know accents uh and guys from australia do really well for whatever reason occasionally you get somebody like heath or not heath ledger was really good but i'm thinking of uh Oh, crap. Obi-Wan Kenobi. What's wrong with me here? Oh, uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, yep. <laughs> Ewan McGregor has a terrible American accent. It's ridiculously bad. <laughs> and, th- and this guy's accent, just a shade of that. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Um, well, I think I can get past it, though. I'm all right with it. But I'm, I think I'm most excited about Sarah Tancredi from uh, uh, Prison Break. She plays Lori. Yep, Sarah Wayne Callies. She's awesome. Yeah. I never watched I, Prison Break, but I've heard that she's amazing. She was a highlight of Prison Break for me. I thought she was really good, and it was a it was a weird, bumpy time for her in the studio. I guess she got kind of fired for a while, and then she came back. And the show was really stupid after season one, anyway. But um, yeah. I only her watched time the first on there season. Was great. Yeah, she's a compelling actress, so I have a lot of hope for her. But everyone else is kind of you know off the radar for me. Totally, me too. I mean, a guy like John Bernthal who plays Shane, uh, I'd never heard of him before. Uh, Lori Holden who plays Andrea, I. I knew of her because she was in The Mist, the other Frank Darabont movie, and she was in a couple episodes of The X-Files, too. So I kind of remembered her from that. But uh, but really, I mean, it's well, a, Jeffrey DeMunn, which uh, we know from The Mist and uh, The Green Mile and The Majestic. That's true, too. He's a Frank Darabont regular. Yeah, um, it's funny. It's, I noticed there are a few people like that that he's sort of hiring to be a part of this, which is fine with me. He's, we, they want good talent and... Oh, yeah, he, know. he's got the people he works with, and it extends beyond the, the actors, too. I mean, all the everybody involved in the production is, you know, people he's worked with before. So that's yeah. okay. If he works well with them, I'm all right with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that, too. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about this, and we're hoping it's going to be awesome. And, and, I mean, if they change a bit from the, from, the, uh, from the comic, you know, they have to adapt it for TV, too. It's a different medium, so... They're going to do a little bit different things. What about um, Rick losing his hand? That's something we've talked about. We don't think oh, they're going to. Yeah. We don't think they're going to go for it um, because it's it's a pretty crippling disability, really. And you can kind of pull it off in a book, but to have it on TV hmm, could be tricky. I'm kind of. <laughs> that's so funny you brought that up because 
of all the occurrences in the book that I struggled with the most, and you'd think there were some big ones, because there were, I think the biggest is his hand. And not that it doesn't add to the character or the, the whatever. It does. It adds to everything. It's a, it's a crucial part of the story, so I'm not knocking it in that regard. I, have, I feel really bad for the character because once you go that route, it is gone. Well, it's not growing back. <laughs> yeah, he's not getting it back. So I would find myself in kind of Marvel DC territory occasionally going, well, what's he going to do to get his hand back? And then I would slap myself and go, no, 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 he's, that's it. He's, this is real-world zombie attack. He's not getting his hand back. There's no Even if there was some medical way of doing such a thing, it doesn't exist in this scenario. No. Uh, with everything, you know, there's no infrastructure. There's no nothing. And I, I seriously struggled with that. Like, that was really hard for me to take. And I could see, I could see what you guys are saying is possible. I could see them bailing on that idea and not putting it in. And I can see a lot of fans being pissed. But... I could see them doing that because I feel I think the audience would feel that way too, and it's a really rough thing to take. Like that to me, I don't know. I just without without his hand, he is less of a threat or less of a you know he can do less. Mm-hmm. And it's you always feel that like oh, there's his stump again. I wish he had a hand there because yeah. he could do this thing. And there's that stump again. You know, I, was, I always do that when I'm reading that comic, and it's <laughs> he's, and even when he's at his, at his most brutal and tough when he's got no hand, I still think well, yeah, he'd be tougher with your hand. Well, I mean, yeah, it's there's no hand, there's that crowbar. What's he going to do, you know? <laughs> He's just uh, not so effective. And that may be one of those things that works great in comics and less in, you know, TV where you where you have to tell this narrative without that distraction. Well, even not so much the the narrative. I'm just thinking uh, my, I'm thinking that the uh, the special effects that would uh, they'd have to put into that, you know, every shot that shows him full body, they have to, you know, chop out that hand somehow. No, that's and, a good point. And it would look dumb if you just had that extender kind of stump on right. that they do sometimes in movies. And yeah, yeah. So the budget con- uh, commitment that they'd have to make in order to have that hand come off is huge for a television show. And you just know they'd end up shooting them, you know, from the shoulders up or, or hand would be out of the shot or something like that. You know, it, I feel it would be a little bit silly on TV. Yes, I, I guess I guess I'm kind of a piece of me doesn't want to agree with you because I don't. I don't like them messing with the core, but I feel like that may be a piece of the core that works better on paper, and they maybe they maybe should just forget about that for now. I mean, what's I mean, all we're really talking about is one accident, and, and you could argue how much of the character or the the situation is shaped later by that act, um, and you could say that it's you know I'm, I'm trying to think in my head recently anyway what issues had a major impact from him not having a hand and I'm having a hard time thinking of one. So maybe, so maybe that's enough for them to not include it. I, I was thinking if there was something major, then, you know, it'd be hard to not include it. Cause then you, you lose out on that major story point. That's a good point. I can't, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that uh, would have changed significantly if he had that hand. We had a couple of listeners suggest that, you know, maybe they would go with losing an eye instead because you can take care of that with an eye patch, which is cheap and it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, oh, yeah. it, it, you know, it doesn't restrict him that much other than only having one eye, right? Yeah, but he's still that, got both hands and stuff, you know, he, he loses some depth perception, but that's about it. That's not bad. That's not a terrible idea. If, that's, if the goal is to say, well, we still need him to lose something, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that hand went off at the, 
at the compound that the crazy guy ran, with right? With the, the governor, yeah. He, yeah, uh, the governor. Oh, that guy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we can't wait to find out who's going to play him because he, oh, he is the best villain ever. I mean, oh, of all time, maybe. I I I I didn't want that to end, but I wanted that guy to suffer, man. I mean, it's just <laughs> that's an amazing piece of of writing and just everything. That is a, he is he's one of the best characters in the in oh. the book, and you sure hate his guts. That's and for he sure. suffered. He yep. sure suffered. Ultimately, he sure did. But I felt the same way. Just the things he does to our group of people that we are heroes, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah, Just that was brutal. Totally brutal. brutal. So, uh, so listen, we've got, uh, we've got a few news items to run through this week, which is what we, we usually do. Scott, if you want to stick around, that's cool. Otherwise, if you want to jump off. Uh, oh, I'd love to hang around. No problem. Okay, cool. So, um, let's see. We've got a premiere date for uh, the show in the UK. It's broadcasting on FX Channel in the UK, and it's coming just behind the US and Canada premiere date. It's going to be on November 5th in the UK. So uh, I know there's a bunch of UK listeners uh, out there. You guys, if you haven't heard, it's November 5th on FX. That's exciting. Um, We've also got a fourth teaser trailer released. We've had a few, and this one's sort of a medium-length one. The others we had were pretty short, most of them. Um, this one shows Rick approaching, this happened in the book too. It shows Rick approaching a farmhouse where a family has, uh, committed suicide and scrawled, God forgive us in blood on the wall. Yeah. So, didn't they have that? They showed that at Comic-Con, right? They, they had did. like a stage or something. Yeah. yeah they it was had their the, booth. They had the booth set up like that. At Comic-Con, they had to change it. Uh, they couldn't say God for some reason. <laughs> it said, please what? forgive us? Yeah, it said, please forgive us on the wall. Comic-Con, I think, is a God-free conference <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I was a little That's surprised that fun. this uh, this teaser trailer came out last or, you know, at, at you know after the other ones came out because of that booth at Comic-Con. Like, it ties into that. I thought that they, I would think that they would release this kind of trailer uh, first to tie in that uh, that booth from Comic-Con. It is funny. The booth didn't really mean a lot to people who hadn't read the book. But then if you were at Comic-Con, you've probably read the book. Yeah, <laughs> well, I would think true. so, yeah. If you, if, yeah, if you're at Comic-Con, well, I don't know. Maybe I have not. a couple of friends who went didn't hadn't read it, and then they regretted it because everybody gave them crap. Yeah. Like, well, that's, that's how it goes, dude. You went to Comic-Con. Are you kidding me? It was a huge deal there. A huge deal. It was massive this year. But yeah, this one shows Rick coming up and, and everyone's dead. They've shot their own heads off or whatever, and, and it says, God forgive us. Um, looks, looks pretty cool, but I, I mean, it showed us a lot without showing us very much. You know what I mean? It did. It's going to be there and it's going to be awesome, but, uh, we didn't really see any of the, the gore and so on, which we probably will in the show. Um, okay. We've got an interview with David Boyd, who's the cinematographer. Now this guy seemed like the just keenest dude of anybody we've heard talking about this show. He was just, uh, going crazy about it. He said, on using the comic as inspiration, he says, As a cinematographer, I've always been struck by the similarities that motion pictures and comic books share. The two mediums require, it seems, the same process of mind to produce. Uh, For the motion picture world, we for the motion picture world often draw images in a comic book form as an aid in planning how to shoot the particular scenes of a film. Our two minds, comics and films, share the same space. As I uh, choke on my own tongue here. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of cool. I mean, this is, you know, we've seen books and movies like, you know, things like Sin City, where it looks exactly like the comic book and even Watchmen to a certain extent. 
Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's something they're going to do here. Um, now, I don't want them to fo- follow along too close because I rewatched Sin City lately, and that movie I absolutely loved when I first saw it. Yeah. But when I rewatched it, it didn't hold up all that well for me. Um, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I didn't think it held up very well at all. You know, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was cool and it looked amazing and so on, but I can't really put my finger on it exactly. But when I rewatched it, it wasn't, it wasn't so great, and it could have been related to the fact that it was just too similar to the the comic, even though they did an amazing job, sort of, you know, lining it up. But uh, hopefully, in The Walking Dead, they don't do that. But I don't think they're going to use the frames precisely which is which is good i haven't actually gone back and rewatched uh sin city so now based on your opinion uh, i don't think i will yeah just leave it as a nostalgic uh experience exactly it's all it could it could stand for a while as kind of the early test of of comic books that aren't spider-man you know that, that make it to film and i think it deserves some some recognition on that point but i think it i don't know it it it, while it may have pioneered like a lot of things that pioneer, they don't always hold up because, you know, they something will come right after and go, oh, look what they did. Let's do 300, and 300 blows everybody's mind. 300 I was blown away by. I love that one. Yep. And I've seen yeah, and I saw that again recently, and that holds up just fine. Right on. Um, moving right along, we've got an interview with Madison Lintz, who is a little girl that plays Sophia on the show. Um, not much to take away from here other than that she sort of seems like a sweet kid and she revealed that her mom wouldn't let her read the comic yet because it's a little too mature for a 10 year old or however old she is. Just so a little. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, she doesn't know what she's getting into maybe, but, uh, she's bound to find out. Um, and finally today, uh, Image Comics is reprinting The Walking Dead number one again. They're calling it their Image First series where they're reprinting Walking Dead number one, probably Invincible number one, and a few others. Um, it's going to be a 40-page black-and-white book, reprinting the first issue, plus a 12-page bonus section featuring full-color images from the television series. It will be in stores October 6th for a buck. So that's a pretty good deal if you... Uh, so a for a dollar, deal. yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a dollar. So <laughs> if you want a copy, I mean, obviously it's not an original printing, but hey, it's, uh, it's still the first issue, and you know I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Well, if you're a collector... Duh, you got to get it. Totally. And this is actually the second time they've reprinted it, I think. So um, I'll be getting it, I think, because that's just cool to have. And I think I can afford a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it for news this week. We, we, the, the news is starting to, starting to slow down a little bit. Uh, we've had a lot in the past few weeks while they were filming and so on. But um, now that they're, I guess, deep into post-production on the show, the, yeah. the news isn't as coming out quite as quickly anymore. So No new casting announcements this week? No, no new cast. Um, I check uh, every few days, but nothing new. So that is it for this week. Are you guys a little sad about um, six episodes only for a season, not the 13 standard thing on cable? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm sad that we're not going to get as much Walking Dead as I want, but at the same time, you know, six is better than 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 just a single pilot and not knowing, you know, what we're going to end up with. That's true. So, you know, I, I would like to see more, but I'm okay with six. And if it's if it's an amazing six episodes, I'll be just as happy as if it was a, you know, you know, a mediocre 13. Yeah. And if they end on a good cliffhanger, the fans are going to demand another season. Oh, absolutely. And at this point, season two has all been all but been confirmed. I mean... 
um, AMC even ran a contest for a walk-on role in season two and never officially announced it. So uh, it's it's bound to happen, and uh, it will be 13, of course. So, um, yeah. Can't wait. Can't oh. wait. It's going to be – yeah, it's, I just hope this is going to be the best show ever. I mean, I was a big fan of Lost. Of course, Lost is, is gone now, and so there's a – there's a hole in my TV watching that needs to be filled, and this is the show to do it. <laughs> no, Hopefully. same thing. The only downside of this uh, as a Lost replacement for me is Lost was like a family tradition for all of us. Yeah. And uh, I just, I don't know, I can't, my 10 and 13-year-old dude, they're just going to, they would, it's not even that I don't want them to see The Walking Dead, they would just be mortified, be terrified of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that problem yet. My kids are only three and one, but, uh, so, you know, I watch a lot of, um, uh, oh, crap. I can't even remember the name of it now. Um, but SpongeBob I watch SquarePants. Oh. No, not that one. Um, 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 um. Flapjack. Yabba Gabba. Yoba. Yabba. What is it? <laughs> Yabba uh, Gabba. Yabba. Adventure Time. I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard of Yabba Gabba in my life. <laughs> Come on. It's, it's Yo Gabba Gabba. That's the one. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Yo right, right. Gabba Gabba. Uh, yeah, my three year old loves that, but uh, I don't really. I sometimes watch it with her, but. It's not it's not bad in a surreal weird kind of way so <laughs> it's pretty weird though. Yeah. Um okay listen we got a little bit of listener feedback this week before we wrap things up here. Um something to clarify. Uh last week we got an email from Rob in the UK and he used the term swimming in butter. Scott is that a is that a phrase you've ever heard? I've never heard swimming in butter in my life, but then again, the British are coming, and who knows what they know, so maybe he knows something I don't know. That's what we assumed, that it was a weird British thing, but apparently uh, we're just boobs, because (laughs) what he was referring to is the phrase, buttering you up, and swimming in butter is the extreme version of the phrase, buttering you up. It's the after effect. Well, I guess butter you up, and then when I'm done, you're swimming in butter. (laughs) Yes. Wow. (laughs) That is something new. I didn't know I would learn something when I came on here tonight, but that is new. So, uh, Rob, thanks for clarifying that. That, uh, That's good to know. It's a phrase we're going to try and introduce to to Canada, I think. Why not? Um, Also, Grant from Vancouver emailed us to let us know that he has – he's created some Walking Dead – uh, fan art and wallpapers for your computer, so I'll post a link to that stuff if anyone's interested. He's taken the uh, the cast shots and some of the zombie shots and put them all together and, and made some pretty neat, pretty neat uh, desktop backgrounds for you. He also recorded or screen capped a copy of the FX UK trailer that none of us here in North America were able to watch. So that's on YouTube, and I'll post a link to that as well um, in case you're interested. We watched it earlier today, and there wasn't any really new footage, but it's a different edit of the trailer. It's sort of a shorter edit. <clears throat> it always surprises me. I don't know why they don't just standardize that, but hey, whatever. More yeah. stuff for us. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's a bit crazy. So, um, Unfortunately, no calls this week. So if you want to call us, uh, that would be ideal because I love getting calls and playing them. You can do that at 206-202-1568. Jason, are there any iTunes five-star reviews. There are. We have one uh, five-star review from Rob Payne. Of all the well-spoken zombie podcasts, these chaps are the most well-spoken. Their ability to speak well is nothing short of breathtaking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In all seriousness, though, uh, if you want to stay on top of everything going on with the Walking Dead television show, this is the one podcast you need to listen to. (laughs) Who was that? Uh, That was uh, Rob Payne. Thank you. Thank you, Rob (laughs) Payne. Um, We pride ourselves on our well-spokenness. 
<laughs> or something like that. Uh, you know. know, for Canadians, you guys talk real good. We talk real good. Real good, like. <laughs> what are you talking about, eh? Uh, all right, so I think that's, that's going to do it. Scott, thanks again for coming on. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's great to hear that you're, you're a huge fan, and, and, I mean, there's obviously lots of huge fans out there, so hopefully we can all get together and just make, make this TV show a success because I definitely want to be watching it for a long time. Yeah, I want this to be huge, and I'm really glad that there are some well-spoken uh, <laughs> podcasters doing the thing because someone needs to, and you guys are doing a great job. I'm really excited to see how your show grows, and I think that the show's successful, uh, the TV show's successful. You guys will just ride that and, and uh, you know, continue to be a great source for people that are into this show, so that's, that's awesome. Well, that's what we're hoping for. Um, why don't you... Uh why don't you, you know, pimp up something you've got going on? I mean, you've obviously got so many shows going with, with Frog Pants, but uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about uh, what you're doing and, and anything you want? Well, absolutely. Um, if people aren't uh, familiar with my work, they can find all the shows and all the comics and everything that I do of any sort of interest over at frogpants.com. Um, <clears throat> I might just take, uh, I don't know, this show seems appropriate for it. But I might just take a second for those who are really into movies, B-Day zombie movies, mainly crappy zombie movies or old movies. They may want to check out a show I produce with uh, three other co-hosts, uh, Randy Jordan, Brian Dunaway, and Brian Ibbett of Coverville fame. We all do a show called Film Sack every Friday where we take an old movie, usually something from the 80s or something that doesn't hold up well or something we've never seen. Uh, we watch it and then tear it apart, and it's a blast. Uh, they can find more about that at filmsack.com and they can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash extra life. Just for the record, Filmsack is one of my favorite shows on the Frog Pants Network, I think. I, you guys are hilarious. Oh, oh well, it. that's nice of you to say because <laughs> it's one of mine too, actually. I, I have probably the most fun uh, doing that show. It's just an absolute blast one I look forward to every week. Well, what could be more fun than just watching a, a potentially crappy or potentially awesome movie and then just talking about it with your friends i mean that's that's yeah, what i like doing <laughs> if you remember if you remember the movie fright night and you thought it was good then you may want to check us out before you watch it again <laughs> uh that's this friday's episode in fact and um i don't know if i'll say it is terrible but i don't know <laughs> it didn't really hold up but you'll have to tune in and see to find out more all right well i'll check it out <laughs> if you want to email us, please do so, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us, up, follow us on Twitter, um, twitter.com slash talkingdead. And that phone number, again, if you want to call us, is 206-202-1568. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook and stuff like that. And it's talkingdeadpodcast.com as well. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Scott, thanks again for coming on. Oh, thank you, Scott. Yeah, it's great. You bet. It was, it was a great time. Thanks, guys. Cool. No prob. And uh, so until next week, everybody, have a great week. We will talk to you then. Bye. Talking Dead is a proud member of the Walking Dead Podcast Network. Find out more about all the shows at forumforgeeks.com.